coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed on Movies. I am Teddy. And I am Matt. We are here, as always, to bring you our thoughts on what we've been watching recently, what's in the theaters, and what's going on in the world of movies. And uh, we're glad to be back. We sure are. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot going on these days. Um, we've seen a bunch of movies recently, and it's it's hard to really narrow down which ones are really worth talking about. But uh, tonight specifically, we're trying to focus on the recent films, uh, ready or not and scary stories to tell in the dark, uh, which are both sort of horror movies and uh, are both, I think still in theaters. Good qualifier sort of. They're definitely both horror movies, <laughs> both horror movies um, of, of different sorts. You know? Yes, I mean, absolutely. They're very different. Scary stories is like goosebumps. Basically, yeah, yeah, old school, old school goosebumps. Um, so we're we're here to talk about those and a couple other things that we've seen recently, just briefly. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about some movie news because there's been a lot recently. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So first of all, um, as we like to do on this program, we're gonna have a bit of movie pass news. Sure are. Movie Pass News is a classic staple of the Buzz on Movies uh, cadre. And we um, have some more unfortunate news for Movie Pass again this week. Um, last time, I think, I think it was the last episode, we talked about how Movie Pass had revealed that at some point they were changing users' passwords in order to lock them out from seeing movies so they could God. avoid spending too much money. Um, which already sounded bad enough, but this week we have even worse news for Movie Pass. Um, it was revealed that there was a data breach at Movie Pass, and um, as with all data breaches, there there's a lot of them happening these days. Uh, people's private information was compromised because um, some outside sources got access to information that they weren't supposed to have. Uh, in this case. The user's credit card numbers. You love to see it. It's really, uh, it's wow. really something. I mean, we've seen just about everything that we could imagine could go wrong for Movie Pass go wrong at this point. But yet again, they continue to top themselves. What's amazing <laughs> is that they're still like functioning. Like Movie Pass still exists. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I am surprised every time I hear news about them, I'm expecting to be movie pass has finally gone out of business, but it's not. It's just yeah. like something even worse than what happened before. I think at this point, like the people who started it are just like determined to not let it go out of business. So they're like trying really hard and funneling all of their money into it. But it's like, it's not worth it. I don't, I don't see how it worked. But um, yeah, so the report was um, from a report from TechCrunch on Tuesday um, reported that one of their databases was exposed. A cybersecurity firm known as SpiderSilk told them that they had found an exposed database on one of the company's many subdomains, which contained up to 161 million records. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. So um, as far as we know, you know, we don't know who might have accessed that. Could have been nobody. Could have been anybody. Right. But um, with unsecured databases like this, um, it's always a matter of just waiting and seeing if uh, if your credit card number gets used. And uh, I don't know about you, but at this point, I've been involved in so many data breaches. I'm just like, bring it on, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, honestly, all my information's yeah. out there at this point. <laughs> Equifax, <laughs> thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what more can you do? There's there's really nothing to do at this point. But I do think it's hilarious that um, we have yet another negative movie pass story this week and once again we have to say movie pass get it together come on i feel like they never will i feel like there's just like no hope for movie pass at this point it's it's hard i don't i don't think they're going to but we're we're still hoping over here the 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 movie pass faithful at buzz on movies are still pulling for you that's so sweet of you <laughs> um okay in other news um the new trailer for the Joker movie came out this week. Um, and this one was pretty crazy. I yeah. It, it had quite a stir on Twitter o- over it. Uh, everybody was pretty excited about it. It does look good. It looks pretty nuts. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix looks stellar, but when does he not look stellar? Right. Yeah. Uh, he, he's an incredible actor. I always like seeing him in just about anything and to see him take on the Joker which has ha- already had like so many great actors play that role. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And it looks like the movie is like a really serious character study as well. Um, it sort of gives off some taxi driver type vibes. So, yeah, I think, I think that's intentional. I think they're going for that sort of, um, I mean, I think the themes are going to ultimately be very similar. And I think that just like the thrust of the movie is going to be, I mean, I'd be surprised if there weren't like overt, taxi driver homages i guess i mean a lot of movies overtly pay homage to taxi driver because of that one scene in the mirror but like um (laughs) you know i feel i feel like this one is gonna be pretty pretty straightforward about it yeah i'm excited about it i wasn't super excited about it when it first got announced uh i felt like okay we get it like the joker is popular we can maybe lay off for a little while but uh, the trailer kind of sold me. I think it looks good. I'm excited. Yeah. And, you know, predictably, there have been a lot of memes floating around about this. Because uh, the, the Jokers and, and like anything associated with the Joker has taken on sort of a edgelord con- connotation in the past few years. To be fair, uh, Jared Leto made that happen. I mean, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That was a large part of it. There's all these uh, we live in a society memes floating around mm-hmm. now. Uh, it, I think things are just definitely going to blow over to a head when this thing comes out in October. So just everyone prepare yourself for that because it's going to happen. It's going to be all you're hearing about for a while. Has um, anyone reached out to Jared Leto for comment? Do we know if he's okay? Do we we do. I, I am concerned about Jared Leto. We need to find out if he's okay. Jared Leto, if you're listening, please just let us know you're okay. That's all we need to know. Is he going to be in Suicide Squad 2? I don't know. But... What isn't suicide? Isn't it not Suicide Squad too? Isn't it being called like the Suicide Squad or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's called the Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> you're right about that. But I, it is still Suicide Squad too, right? Like it is essentially right. a sequel. I think I don't think they're rebooting it entirely. 
That um, would be completely fucking insane. <laughs> that would be like Fantastic Four levels of crazy. Like, like there's literally no reason for it. Um, yeah, because I mean, the first movie was pretty successful, even if it was kind of, you know, had questionable critic reviews. I mean, uh, it wasn't good, but yes, money-wise, it was fine. And Steve Mnuchin was probably very happy with it. Yeah, um, it even won an Oscar. So I know Oscar winner Steve Mnuchin. Um, right. Uh, so, oh. <laughs> yeah, um, we still don't know if Jared Leto's okay, but we do know that this Joker movie is going to be huge. It's going to be interesting, and um, we're definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, in other killer clown news, the Ooh. the second part of It is coming out next week. Stephen King's It, and we are very excited about that. We are collectively as a pod and as a fan base, I hope. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, um, we we both love horror, obviously. This is a classic horror, but um, I'm I'm a huge Stephen King fan as well on top of that. Um, so I'm very excited to see this come out. I've been reading the book leading up to this. Uh, it's a big one, so I don't know if I'm going to finish it in time, but I'm trying. Um, I believe in you. It's a great book. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, hopefully when when this comes out, by the time uh, the movie's out, we've all seen it, we've had time to digest. I'll finish the book. We can talk about both the movies and the book and really just give a whole symposium on the movie It. Right. Uh, it should be interesting. But I, I'm very looking forward to this movie. Um, there, I'm, I'm still not sure if I'm doing this. But um, Alamo Drafthouse is doing this incredible thing, which they did for the last movie, where they have a clowns only screening, which means that you have to come dressed as a clown in order to be admitted. Uh, and it's opening night and uh, there's still tickets available. So I'm definitely I'm strongly considering it because this seems like a, a very interesting opportunity. This seems very up your alley. I can't think of anything I'd rather do less. <laughs> That's like the idea of sitting in a dark room surrounded by clowns for like two, almost three hours. The movie's almost three hours long. It's um, very long, I, yeah. I couldn't do that. Nope, couldn't do it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really get the coolerophobia as much myself. But, you know, I'm always in for an interesting viewing experience. And it might, it'll definitely be kind of creepy. I guarantee uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so very much looking forward to that. Check it out. If you haven't seen the first part, seriously, check it out. It's incredible. And the new movie is coming out this Thursday. So, so soon. Yeah. It's it's upon us. Um, Other news. Disney Plus. We've always got to talk about Disney Plus. It's like all anyone can talk about these days. It's coming out. It's coming closer. Um, and Ugh. yeah, I mean, things are getting better and things are getting worse at the same time. We keep getting more news about stuff that's going to be out on this platform. And at the same time, realizing like, okay, that's great. But these things won't be available anywhere else. And also um, like the outside impact of this platform keeps expanding we keep hearing like more things that are happening because of this so just as an example um 
a lot of stuff's been floating out around recently from people who run like repertory theaters and stuff like that, who show older movies for second screenings and like for big fans of the movies, like, I don't know, something like fight club or something or Rocky horror where, you know, people years later will go and see the movie again, just cause they love it that much. Um, and always Disney has had this policy of pretty much without exception, not allowing that for their movies. Right. Like they, they just don't allow you to do like a screening of the lion King or Cinderella or something like that. They, they just flat out won't license their films for that. Now that they have control of the Fox catalog as well, they recently purchased 20th century Fox. Right. Um, they're also placing the same restrictions on those movies. So like you can't show soon. It's going to be that you can't show fight club in a movie theater uh, at, for like a, an anniversary screening or a fan screening or something like that. You just can't do it anymore. Apparently they're going to allow people to keep watching Rocky horror, which is really good because <laughs> you definitely would have had a lot of weirdos rioting over that one. Right. Um, but there's still like the whole 20th century Fox catalog. Now they're locking down. Like that's a lot of movies and they're, they're probably going to be available on Disney plus, but you won't be seeing them in a movie theater, which is so annoying. Yeah. I mean, we're all about watching stuff in theaters here on buzzed on movies, right? It's that's like, like our whole reason for existing. <laughs> it is our number one mantra to if you can see it in a theater and right. any time that there's a, a limitation being placed on what you can see in a theater that is bad for us right we, we won't stand for this sort of thing we're we're not fans not at all um but at the same time you know um there's great stuff coming out on disney plus everybody wants to see the mandalorian um uh, for that like i'm sure a lot of people are going to sign up for that alone yeah so like, i think new, that's definitely what's gonna happen <laughs> star wars material like you, people can't get enough of it but like i don't know this is yeah. this is gonna have some crazy effects i i'm so torn like i mean i'm probably not gonna end up signing up for it at least right away just for like money reasons i already subscribed to so many platforms but it's hard to be like all right am i gonna watch this stuff on this platform ever or not like i don't know I don't yeah. like supporting this sort of thing. I don't know what to do. Like, because I would also like to see the Mandalorian. Probably. I think, I don't know. I'm not convinced, but I do think I would. I think I want to see it, but I don't want to pay for Disney plus. I would like to see what the new Loki series. It's going to happen is going to be on Disney plus. Ooh, yeah. I would like to see that. Uh, I, I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I think he's great. I would love to see a continued story with him, but I really don't want Disney Plus. <laughs> I like Disney movies, but I don't want Disney to own entertainment. <laughs> like, yeah. which is sort of what they're vying for. I mean, at yeah. this point, owning Star Wars and Marvel, like, that's completely insane. I, those are the two biggest franchises right now. It's crazy that Disney can run them both. And then they also just have, like, the Disney brand, which is, of course, one of the most, like, stable reliable brands in media like yeah it's crazy it's troubling i mean if you looked at the industry like maybe 10 years ago 
and with like I think it was six major studios dominating, like completely dominating the film space. It was already there was already an extreme lack of competition here. And now Disney has bought out Fox in addition to owning Marvel and Pixar and all these other sub brands themselves. They're expanding bigger and bigger, becoming more powerful in the film space. And it's starting to like become pretty troubling. Like a lot of people are, there's a lot of monopoly talk out there and it's, it's to the point where, you know, if there were any reasonable monopoly laws being enacted today, that, that, there would be some sort of government oversight at this point, but we're not seeing that. So in, in the face of no checks to this sort of power, we have to think as consumers, like at what point is this too much? At what point is one studio buying up everything and owning like all media? At what, what point does that become a problem? Right. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, arguably it already is, but not, you know, but that oh, it's only a problem for like film goers, but <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> this, this, uh, new streaming platform is going to be a big step forward for them and, uh, a big step backward for the rest of us. Yeah. We're going to see what the fallout for that is pretty soon. They're going to be launching on November 12th. 2019 so uh get ready for that and get ready for high school musical the series the musical or is that what it's called is that what it's called was it high school high school musical the musical the series was that it it's it's something stupid it makes no sense it's already a musical that was the point of high school musical it's something really stupid it's weird it's it why is it not just it's high school musical, musical the, the musical the series <laughs> high school musical the musical the series they're almost all in this together is what it says and they're, it's coming oh, out on disney plus yeah oh is it maybe it's gonna be a musical about them making high school musical like but it's gonna the, be like a behind the scenes but the po- it doesn't have like the cast of the original high school musical and that's the biggest crime like how are you not gonna bring back zach efron for this I, well, I mean, I'm not saying they won't ever cameo, but like, oh, he's like definitely the po- one. yeah. The poster doesn't have them, so it's like, it's definitely something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, High I mean, musical, the musical, the series is an American <laughs> mockumentary web series created for Disney Plus by Tim Federley. Okay, so it's it, you know, it's a mockumentary. That's like a good. That's fine, right? I feel like that's fine. Is it? Uh, it could be. We don't know. Um, no, I mean, I feel like that's kind of like a... It could be a fun concept. So it is sort of like them making a high school musical. And it's, you know, like it's a behind the scenes sort of, but it's, you know, it's fiction, but it's made to but, feel like it's not. Wait, but wasn't the first one about them making a musical as well? Like, yeah, but it wasn't were, like... They were putting on a musical and it was a musical? Yeah, but it wasn't set up as a mockumentary. Uh-huh. In in the movies, it's like okay. set up as like a straight movie about people who put on a musical. This is like adding adding an extra level of abstraction on top of that. Yeah, and it could be really it could be really funny if they like really make fun of like high school drama clubs. Like it could be really fun. 
because <laughs> high school drama clubs deserve to be made fun of as somebody who was in in a high school drama club <laughs> they deserve to be roasted mercilessly. we deserve to be like dragged through like every <laughs> circle of hell like we are the most annoying people in the school um so absolutely <laughs> it could be great we it, all remember the drama kids from high school it's fine i hope so uh yeah so that that's that's all our disney news for now um Looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, it's it's going... sort of all of our Disney news. There's yeah. the there's the Spider Man news, which is oh uh... right, yes, yes, we do have one last bit of Disney news. Uh, Spider Man news. Oh boy, there's been yes. this huge kerfuffle over Disney and Sony over Spider Man recently. Yeah, it's uh. It's been a bit of a mess. I mean, I'm sure that if you're listening to this, that means you care about movies and you've probably already read this, whether or not you care about Spider-Man. But the basic gist of it is, as we all know, Spider-Man was owned by Sony Pictures for a long time. That's why we got the original Spider-Man trilogy with with Tobey Maguire. And then when that faded out because Spider-Man 3 was an absolute nightmare, uh, we got the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies and then those didn't do well either. So because of all of that, while the MCU is happening over in another world, but can't include Spider-Man, even though Spider-Man is the biggest Marvel character, mm-hmm. arguably, I would say that's not even arguable. I'd say it's just like a fact. Spider-Man after is. after Iron Man's gone, definitely. No, I would. Yeah. S- no, 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 no. I would say that in comics and everything. Oh, like in like overall Spider-Man way more than they know any right. other character okay yes 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 outside of like the film universe definitely yeah the only marvel character who comes close and just like brand recognition is wolverine um which coincidentally is not owned by the mcu either Um, (laughs) so um like so all of this is happening and a deal is struck to allow kevin Feige, who produces all of the marvel mcu movies to produce the sony spider-man movies which will allow sony's character of spider-man to appear in the mcu finally at long last which is why we got captain america civil war and then we got spider-man homecoming and most recently far from home unfortunately it was really only a two-picture solo film contract right and so they had to renew Basically, they had to renew the deal. And in renewing, Marvel and Disney wanted more. Basically, they wanted Sony to finance a little more. Disney wanted more money out of it. Sony said, no, that's not going to happen. We want the deal to stay exactly the same, which is kind of crazy because I that obviously was not going to be the case. I mean, that just that's not how deals work. Um <laughs> Like, yeah. If you have to renew a contract two years or whatever after you the first one, the money changes, especially when you become like one of the most successful movies literally of all time. Far From Home is Sony's best picture, I think, financially yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. So it's also crazy that they can't give up a little bit more money. Um, <laughs> like it's like, well, yeah. Marvel literally just got you your best selling movie of all time. But OK, yeah. I mean, as much as we just complained about Disney, they're basically printing money for Sony in this deal. So, yeah. Right. And so 
because Sony won't budge at all, and Disney as also won't budge, Disney won't say, okay, we'll take less money. The whole the whole thing is falling through, and so Spider-Man, as of now, is no longer going to appear in any future MCU movies. That doesn't mean the Spider-Man story that we've been following is going to end. Tom Holland is still going to appear as Spider-Man in the Sony Sony movies. Unfortunately, Sony doesn't own all of the characters Marvel does. Marvel owns far more characters than Sony does. Yeah, so we might not see like more Nick Fury in the Spider-Man movies. So uh, we we no definitely Iron won't Man see flashbacks. I mean, we definitely can't see Nick Fury. We can't see Iron Man. Um, there are some Spider-Man classics that we could see, obviously, you know, like some of the Spider-Man villains. Um, and, of course, the X-Men we can see. Too bad they just killed off Mysterio. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. But let me clarify here. You did say that um, Disney but doesn't Mys- own X-Men, but they just bought 20th Century Fox who yeah. does own X-Men. So now Disney does have Disney uh, does have X-Men to put X-Men in their movies. Um which is kind of boon for Disney. I mean, that's huge. Right. Well, it's kind of why this whole Disney purchase of Fox is being treated as like a devil's deal sort of. It's like, oh, like all this bad stuff's going to happen, but at least we can get X-Men in the Marvel comic universe now. God. But it's like you're losing Spider-Man. I mean, yeah, Spider-Man is a is a major asset to have. Very clearly, Spider-Man was profitable for Disney and for Sony. Right. With I this, do, at this I, point, it it's very strange that Spider-Man's on his own. And I think it's, I think that Sony, Sony thinks that because they've had two really successful Spider-Man movies in Homecoming and Far From Home that like they don't need to worry about the next spider movie next spider-man movie that it'll make as much as they want it to i think they're really underestimating the mcu branding i like i don't think that they're thinking i because i feel like a big reason that the last two spider-man movies have been so big is because they're a part of the marvel cinematic universe i don't think it's just because it's spider-man and we know that it's not just because it's Spider-Man, because we right. all watched the amazing Spider-Man movies come out, which did not do super great. So, I don't know. I I just feel like Sony's not fully thinking it through. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, a huge part of the Spider-Man success recently has been because it's part of the Iron Man universe and everything. Right. I mean, like... You know, I've talked before about how I've been a little burned out on Spider-Man movies because we've seen so many of them recently. That's fine. But (laughs) yeah, but what is good about these recent Spider-Man movies is the integration with the Marvel comic universe, which is also undeniably popular these days. So if you had a property that has the potential to be linked to that enormously successful franchise, like that's a very valuable thing to have. Right. You'd want to you'd probably want to make whatever deal you can to get that to keep coming. Right. Um but whatever. To put a button on this story though, um we have to remind everyone that back in 1998, Sony had the opportunity to buy all of Marvel and not just Spider-Man. They were offered the whole Marvel franchise for just 25 million dollars 
but instead they bought just Spider-Man for $10 million. That's and crazy. This has created the situation that we have today where Spider-Man is owned by one company and every single other Marvel character is owned by another one. Could you, well, not Venom. Um, could you, That's true. That's true. But he's, he's in the Spider-Man universe. Yes. Uh, could you imagine how different our world would be if Sony had taken the deal to buy all of Marvel? <laughs> and we didn't have the Marvel Cinematic Universe at all. <laughs> it's Just crazy like, to think that. Think about how different the film landscape would be. They really would. I mean, they've they've dominated like the last ten years. Decade. It's a yeah. decade. If they've... we just like didn't like every like basically every four months or whatever it is, we have to just expect that there's a Marvel movie coming out that we're not like that's gonna blow out everything else at in the box office. Everyone's gonna be talking about it for at least two weeks. Like that's just like the the world we live in now. It would be yeah. crazy if that weren't the case. Completely insane to think about what would happen instead. I mean, we wouldn't. I would say that it would be DC movies instead, but I don't know if the DC universe would exist if Marvel hadn't done the universe thing first. So right. I mean, nobody had really done this whole like integrated universe with, with multiple movies building up to a connected storyline thing before. No. Um, I mean, it's, it's for all of your, like, negatives you can say about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's, like, truly groundbreaking. Like, yeah. it had never been done before. <laughs> um, so, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, the world may never know. Wow. Crazy right. to think about. Instead, Sony's just going to get Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's just going to, like, web through New York City, but not be able to fight any villains because they don't have the rights to anyone. So it's just going to be like <laughs> Spider-Man webbing around fighting like random like criminals and ski masks. Like. Street, street level thugs <laughs> like stopping and mugging here and there. Then you uh, get like a really like B level, like not even B level. You get like a C or D level Spider-Man villain shows up and it's like, here we go. This is who you get. He's going to end up fighting Sandman again. God. Does Disney not own Sandman? I don't know. Uh, uh, Sony managed to use him before, so um, yeah. But a lot's changed since that time. Yeah, that's true. Um, so wrapping up our movie news segment, we've just got a couple, couple of our our fan favorites that we're still following up on. We want to provide you some updates. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, of course, we're always obsessed with him. Always. Um, a new trailer came out for his movie, The King which will be on Netflix and uh, also features Robert Pattinson. Yes, sir. Is, um, very exciting. It's, it's interesting. This is like a Henry the fifth uh, story. And um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, Timothy play someone who's not like a, I don't know, like a moody teen. Yeah. Because meanwhile, he's also, got a trailer out for little women where he might be a moody teen. <laughs> <laughs> he probably will be. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of Timothy out there right now. Go check out his trailers. Always great. Um, another favorite here on the pod of uh, Safety brothers. They have uh, a new movie coming out. Who knows when, but it's touring festivals now. 
is called Uncut Gems, and it stars Adam Sandler, which is absolutely crazy. I did not <laughs> think after these guys made Good Time that they would follow up with an Adam Sandler movie, but then again, we didn't expect to see Robert Pattinson as a gritty action star in that movie. So who knows what they do with Sandler in this one? It could Apparently, be great. I mean, maybe Adam Sandler will finally have a return to form. And by return to form, I mean a return to being like actually decent for the first time since The Wedding Singer. Um, hey, he's so been he's been good since then. When has he been good since then? Tell uh, me. Punch Drunk Love. Isn't Punch Drunk Love good? Okay, Punch Drunk Love is good. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, Funny People is pretty good. But uh, he does. That's a, that's a bold statement. <laughs> It, it was all right. Um, he does make a good movie every few years, but it's usually when he uh, is allowed to be a little more dramatic and not like some sort of doofy comedy persona. Yeah. But um, I, I always thought that he has a real talent for drama and like the dramas that he's in are pretty much all good. Like I can't think of any, all the bad Sandler movies are all comedies. And they're usually like the same kind of like ensemble comedies like Grown Ups or um, stuff like that. They're not and always ensemble. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Just like, um, what's the one where he's gay but not gay? They get oh, married. I now um, pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Yeah, that was yeah. bad. I don't um, love little little Nikki. Like whatever happened there was not great. <laughs> So these Some are not people like really like that movie, but um, <laughs> yeah, that he did some good comedy stuff back in the day too. I mean, um, Billy Madison was good. Uh, Happy yeah. Gilmore was good. Happy Gilmore is like a classic in its own way. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I, I think that the best movies he's made have been the dramas and Maybe we can see him take another interesting dramatic turn here. He's not. I mean, unskilled. I definitely am interested in what the movie is. I want to see it. Is yeah, I I will see it. Um, one description that I'm reading here is it, it says uncut gems feels like being locked inside the pinwheeling brain of a lunatic for more than two hours. Oh wow! <laughs> so it's just like being in like Adam Sandler's consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> that's from variety by the way um oh, but wow. yeah the, it sounds like it's gonna be pretty cool so eagerly awaiting that but um that draws us to a close on our movie news for this week and why don't we get into what we've been watching recently all right i'm excited yeah um so there's before we get into the real meat of it, there's a couple things that we, you know, feel are worth mentioning, but not worth like really discussing in depth. Um, and part of that is because we haven't both seen them. <laughs> uh, but I saw Good Boys, and uh, Matt has been meaning to get around to that, but hasn't seen it yet. Um, but I, I definitely think if it's still out there and you're looking for a good comedy, it is uh, worth checking out. It's really funny. Um, it's really interesting to see these 12-year-olds uh, saying fuck over and over again. Uh, <laughs> it's very inappropriate. 
um, including Jacob Tremblay from Room. Um, so <laughs> it's very funny to he- see him swearing because he's got like kind of an innocent persona up till now. Um, right. And yeah, it's just it's it's funny. It's like a, a super bad for like slightly younger kids, um, but definitely not appropriate for younger kids. Um, <laughs> and just kind of kind of like a coming of age film. Um, I don't know. I. I don't feel like I related to it a lot personally, you know, like a lot of teen movies or like young kid movies. I feel like I'm like, I don't know if being a kid was like this, but maybe it was for these screenwriters. But uh, I don't know. It felt uh, it felt like it had a heart and it was really funny. So I thought it was worth checking out. I really want to see it. I think it looks pretty funny. I mean, it looks like like your standard like high school raunchy like movie, except for not high school. So, right. (laughs) Yeah, it should be like fun. Junior high. Um, so, yeah, it, it's cool. And you had one uh, that you wanted to talk about too, right? Yeah, so I saw uh, The Farewell, finally. It took me a while. And it was, I mean, it was just incredible. Um, <laughs> it's as good as everybody had sort of been like talking about it. I'm sure that anybody who follows film has heard about it. Mm-hmm. I, I really hope that, I mean, not that anybody has been ignoring Aquafina, but I feel like, I just want something to propel her to being like an A-list getting all of the roles star because she's yeah. phenomenal. I, I like this movie like really, I don't want to say proves it because that implies that like past movies didn't prove it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. like in a lot of movies, she'd been like not rele. I mean, sort of relegated to like being like a comedic role. She wasn't like your dramatic yeah. star um, mm-hmm. in the farewell she proves she can hold a movie and not, and I mean, not that I don't think she had proven that before, but I don't think she'd really been given the opportunity necessarily to like hold like a major dramatic motion picture. And in this one, it's just like she does and she earns every second of it. She's amazing. She's also very funny because I don't think Aquafina cannot be funny. I think that's just who she is. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's really good. And I know that, she is i mean if nothing else it's worth seeing it just for her performance and i hope that she gets some acting nominations during award season because she will deserve every single one yeah i've definitely heard a lot of good things about the movie and especially aquafina um unfortunately i didn't get around to seeing it in time and it's not really available anywhere here now but i'm definitely looking forward to it being available to watch at home because i've heard nothing but good things yeah, and it's definitely still worth watching at home. Like, it's not one of those movies where it's like, oh, if you don't see it in theaters, what's the point? It's definitely an at-home viewing movie, too. I definitely plan to own it when I can. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Everyone should see it. Everyone should go see it. It's also just like, I think it's like an interesting movie. I think it's, you know, it it does bring light like to a culture that we don't necessarily talk about in like mainstream movie media all the time. So I think it's it's great. Worth, worth seeing everyone should see this movie yeah that's always good all right with that i guess we'll move into the main discussion section of tonight but first before we do i wanted to just call um call attention to the fact that um matt has recently confessed to falling asleep during a recording of this podcast um oh <laughs> I, I just want to let everyone know that and uh hopefully no one falls asleep tonight but All right. 
All right. We didn't have to say that on, but like we didn't have to tell everyone that. Well, now they know. <laughs> now everyone knows. So, <sighs> scary stories to tell in the dark. Don't fall asleep. Um, this movie, uh, this came out a little while ago, uh, but I think it should still be available most places yeah, we're also recording this on september 1st it's the first day of the halloween season we should talk about scary stories to tell in the dark yeah yeah halloween season is kicking off and for those of you who aren't as familiar with the concept of halloween as a season uh halloween lasts throughout the months of september and october because if we have to celebrate christmas throughout november and december we're sure as hell going to do halloween for the previous two months mm-hmm so to kick off this Halloween season, um, we have this movie that came out on August 9th. Uh, it's still in a lot of theaters. And it's based off uh, an old book from the 90s um, that a lot of us read growing up. That's just a whole bunch of, you know, scary little short stories that are designed to freak kids out. With <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think about. I mean, I grew up reading those books. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like this and Goosebumps were like the horror growing up, basically. There was yeah. stuff that was made specifically for kids. Right. And designed to freak kids out and did a very good job of it. Absolutely. I mean, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so um, this was very hotly anticipated for all the 90s kids like us. Um and especially because Guillermo del Toro was attached as a producer for this project. Uh, it's been in the works for a while. So very exciting to finally see it come out this year. And uh, I thought it was worth uh, worth all the wait. It really paid off. Um, yeah. I mean, it was good. It was a good movie. It, it was, was a lot of, a lot it of was one of those movies where like, I guess I like didn't. I mean, I knew it was coming, I guess, but like I remember the first time I saw a trailer, I was like, wait, is this scary stories to tell in the dark? Like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> you're making a movie out of that? How? I was like really confused. And I was like, because, you know, you see the trailer for the first time. And then the first time you see a visual of anything scary, it's like, it has that distinctive style of the art of scary stories. Yeah. And yeah. so you're yeah. like, holy shit, is this what I think it is? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was crazy because it was just like my entire childhood would su was suddenly like flooding back to me like <laughs> and the art style for the like the illustrations in the original book was very distinctive it was like it, I, I don't even know how to describe it but it it was very like sparse it was all just black and white lines but there was just something so unnerving about like the shapes of the faces of the creatures that they drew. They all had like sort of blobby like faces and stuff. Um, it, it, like just uh, look up some of the illustrations. We might even link to it in the uh, in the notes. But uh, it was creepy, and I think that um, at a lot of points in the movie, they did a really good job of recreating. Uh, the feel of those illustrations when they brought out some of the monsters. Yeah, I think the um, the monsters themselves did a really, really, really good job of it. I think that most of them looked really true to the original illustrations, which are great because that's what was so scary about it. I mean, the stories are scary. Don't get me wrong. I mean, full spoiler alert, but 
the idea of having a spider plant an egg in your cheek and it's suddenly giving birth to like hundreds of spiders at a time. It's like the most horrifying thing that I could possibly imagine. And I like spiders. Like (laughs) I think they're very (laughs) cool, but the idea of them crawling out of my face is utterly terrifying. (laughs) Anything like crawling out of your skin, you know, like, Oh, (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like um, the original stories, it's hard to talk about them as like a plot because they're all disconnected. But they're, you know, they're they all play off different kinds of fears. Like there's that spider story and like which plays off like body horror and stuff like that. Um, And and they all play off like different. So just like a simple fear that will make a concise story and that you could maybe tell over a campfire or something like that. So I was kind of curious to see how they turn that concept of just like a whole bunch of disconnected stories into a feature movie. And I was expecting it to be something sort of like creep show where it's like a, an anthology and they show like a bunch of different kind of short stories back to back, maybe with like a bridge story to connect them all together. But um, what they ended up doing instead was really interesting and kind of a a clever way to tie this all into one real connected story right um so it's real it all takes place in one reality and it's like it's just a story of these kids who um on halloween night end up in this haunted house that like they've been chased there by bullies uh, and there's a whole bunch of backstory to that. But the, like the basically they end up the, in there and um, they find this book that was supposedly owned by Sarah Bellows, who was uh, like a deformed child who lived there, who was kept secret by her parents. And um, they bring the book with them. And then like Sarah Bellows starts telling stories by like writing things in the book that they can see appear in the book. And as these things appear in the book, they happen in real life to these kids. Right. So uh, that's the basic plot. It's pretty simple, uh, but there's a lot of creepy stuff that happens as a result. Well, yeah, it's a, that's a horror movie. Um, <laughs> it's quite a horror. Um, One of the things I liked early on as well, before we get into the individual stories, um, there was a scene in the drive-in theater. Um, Yeah. I always love a a good drive-in scene. We we talked about the one in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and uh, had to mention it for this one too. There is a scene in drive-in and it's actually a lot more involved in this one. Like the the bullies chase them into this drive-in and they're running around. They, They hide in this guy's car. And they end up like becoming friends with him and like he becomes part of their group for the rest of it. But it's like it's a really fun scene. And it's like it's a drive in on Halloween. They're showing horror movies. It's super fun and cool. I'm like, God, I want to be there. (laughs) It does look great. I mean, I would want to be there, too. I yeah, I like that scene. I thought it was cool. I thought um, the movie did a good job. Like the care. It's obviously. It's like a an interesting i like it's hard to pin down when exactly it's all taking place right like i don't know if they gave a year timestamp. uh it's, it's not 19, 1968 okay it's 68 it like they simultaneously like it feels like like 
the 50s or 60s i kept thinking like it had a very 50s feel to it but then like the characters didn't always dress and act like they were in the 50s either but you also know that it's very much in the past because there's this whole backdrop of like the character whose car they hide out in in the drive-in is like a draft dodger like yeah (laughs) he doesn't want to go fight in vietnam and like um so you know that this is happening and then also there's like overt racism happening you know he's being like people are saying some awful things to him which was like also really surprising for this movie i did not go in expecting like heavy political themes um yeah yeah because he's hispanic right so yeah there's a lot of racism against him in the movie both from like the bullies and from law enforcement just random people um so yeah I, i i think it's it stays pretty well grounded in the um the 60s time frame but uh it does have a a modern feel to it as well yeah it it was interesting i i thought it was i mean i liked it i didn't think that was a problem um it was just very interesting because i felt like at times like the movie like took pains to remind you that it was like in the 60s but then at times like just like especially maybe it's just like the main girl she didn't really like dress or act like she was like in the 60s half the time i Mm -hmm. felt um which is fine that was that was great i also thought she was really really good i thought her performance was great so um but it was just like it was interesting it was at times like easy to forget until i realized they weren't using a cell phone i was like well everybody (laughs) would just be on a cell phone now so yeah yeah that is that is funny like i feel like we've been seeing a lot more movies recently that are set like in the 60s or the 70s or whatever which conveniently takes care of like the whole cell phone issue I think a lot of horror is trying to figure out what they can do about cell phones because it, it, I mean, the cell phones sort of inherently ruin slashers. Like it's really hard to like, I don't know, like slashers are just like, if you can call the police anytime. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay. Work. Uh, like supernatural horror. You can probably find a way around the cell phone thing, but it's easy for it to feel hokey. Like, like it's it's easy for it to not feel like it's like real like oh okay yes of course the ghost can infect the cell phone somehow whatever um (laughs) ghost.com fear.com fear.com yeah uh actually i think that's gonna be interesting to see um what they do with the new it movie because you know originally the in the book the children portion is based in the 50s and then the adult section is based in the 80s but for the new for the movie they updated the children portion to the 80s so this new uh so the part two is going to be set in modern times yeah so it's going to be interesting to see how they update that with like technology and everything What's how's Pennywise going to deal with cell phones and the internet? I mean, it it ultimately, I think it doesn't like Pennywise's powers are such that I don't think that people having cell phones save them from him. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> um, I do think it like changes. Like, I mean, you're reading the book now. A large part of the book is just like people doing research on Pennywise, like. <laughs> Yeah. Like there's like a lot of just like people like having to like read the newspaper and stuff to figure out 
what Pennywise is and stuff. Breaking out the microfiche and like uh, yeah, but that yeah. won't have to happen in twenty whatever in the era of cell phones and the internet. Like just go to Pennywise.com and you just learn everything you need to know. Yeah, in the modern era, everybody knows about Pennywise. Let's be clear. Like um everyone's so. cool with Pennywise. They're just like, oh yeah, he's fine. We can make you him just present, don't go to yeah? dairy. Just don't whatever. go there. Uh, yeah <laughs> just, just don't just don't look at it just don't look the only people who aren't okay with pennywise are the people who live in dairy and also they forget about pennywise every 27 years so it doesn't matter yeah. um all right um <laughs> but we're getting back to uh, scary, scary stories, stories to, tell in, to tell in the dark we're really we're really excited about this hit movie um so yeah i mean the 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 frame story is pretty simply summed up i think the but what they did with these like the the scary stories i thought was really interesting to make them instead of like a whole disconnected story they had the very act of telling the story as a feature of the movie and the person telling the stories is like sarah bellows who's like sort of a witch type character i guess they make her out to be um and that she like by her telling these stories she makes them come true in real life and like scary things happen to these kids um and the first one that they um well actually no that wasn't the first well so they had this one story um which took out the bully uh about like so he lives on a farm and the story was about like this scarecrow on the farm that he sees every day called Harold and the story is called Harold. And just like, as she's writing this story, you see him like walking through the cornfields and like this, the scarecrow keeps showing up, popping up and then eventually kills him somehow. And he turns into a scarecrow, Uh, which is really upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't like, so I don't usually find scarecrows creepy. This one is pretty gross looking, uh, and it's definitely creepy. You don't usually find scarecrows creepy. Have no, you ever the, seen Jeepers Creepers? I was gonna say that's the only other time I've found a scarecrow to be scary was Jeepers Creepers. Um, but it was good to see another reference point for scary scarecrow horror be created here. Scarecrow horror deserves rights. Scarecrows are frightening, and I don't like. There's a reason crows don't want anything to do with scarecrows. Is all I'm saying. But is there anything other than Jeepers Creepers that prominently features a scarecrow? No, it's the concept of the scarecrow. Also, okay. Batman. Right. Okay. Yes. Different kind of scarecrow, but fair enough. Still very creepy. Yes. Very creepy. Um, but. So the one I wanted to focus on though was uh the big toe, which was the <laughs> first the first one out of this movie that I actually remembered reading the story. Wait that, that was the first that's the one from the this wait, that's the one you remember? Yeah. That's crazy to me. It's the what? spiders in the cheek, man. The okay, spiders- I re- I remember that one too. I will remember that until the day I fucking die. Like it, like I remember, I know where I was when I read the spiders in the cheek. I can like picture myself reading it on the school bus still. Like 
I know it and it terrifies me now. <laughs> if I get yeah. bit by a bug now, I'm like, it could happen. Yeah, no, that 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 shit's legitimately horrifying. I agree. Um, but I don't know what I don't know what it is about the big toe that just stuck with me. Um, I think it's like the the refrain to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And also the fact that it's just so disgusting. It is pretty gross. <laughs> like the idea behind. So in the story, like this woman finds this toe like in her yard and just decides to put it in a stew. <laughs> like yeah. as part of the stew, just like, oh, yeah, just throw this toe in there. It's a little extra meat, whatever. And then after she eats it, like this horrible corpse like starts stalking her it is like who ate my toe <laughs> who took my toe yeah it's and like, like she's like wandering around looking for a toe yeah so the version of it they put in this movie is like this the guy who's eating the stew doesn't know that the toe is in there but it's in there and right. he's, he accidentally like eats it and then this corpse comes looking for him and kills him. God. Um, and meanwhile, like the the char- the other some of the other main characters have like started to figure out at this point what's going on, and they're like warning him, like oh, because like, because they're reading the book as it's being written, like they can see the words appearing and like saying like the toe and all this, and like right. what what Augie who's the the guy who's eating it is like doing so right. they're like don't do it don't eat the stew they know he's about to eat it but he's like what are you talking about like of course every like every horror character does like like that's nonsense and then the corpse comes after him and kills him <laughs> great fantastic um yeah and there's uh um there's there's a few other interesting scary stories in here, but I don't know uh, any ones you think are particularly worth mentioning. Um, in, the, in the movie, yeah. Um, I mean, so I've already mentioned that the stupid the red spot really got to me. the The spider bite really. Like, yes, yes. Okay, that was creepy as hell. And like, I think that like. I think the movie did a good job. First of all, um, you know, you have to watch this character in her like pink, like 1968 dress, like wander around. Like (laughs) this is her like going to like a school dance and then having this thing happen to her. Yeah. So she's like there and like, she has this like red spot forming on her cheek and like they seed it pretty early in the movie. You get them like in like that haunted house where they find the Sarah Bellows book. And she happens to be dating the racist who get, is the victim of Harold the Scarecrow. Yeah, the, um, the bully. Yeah, so it's also like, I don't know how bad you feel for her because it's like, oh, yes, you date a bully. Um, yeah, that guy but, was not only was that guy a bully, but that guy like totally gave up on her by locking her in that the room in the bellows house well because she was like don't lock my brother in a room in this house by himself and he goes okay you can just stay in there with him and locks (laughs) her in too Um, yeah not a great boyfriend really he's literally the worst human no wonder he got pitchforked so (laughs) she gets bitten by a spider in the house and then on like this night where it's supposed to be like the school like i guess it's like homecoming or something i'm not really sure 
um, the the spot on her face just gets bigger. And ultimately what happens is like, it turns out the spider had bitten her on the cheek and laid eggs in her cheek. (laughs) And out of her cheek burst forth like thousands of spiders. I mean, it's like, it's a truly heinous number of spiders that we have to witness pouring out of her cheek orifice. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's horrifying. And she's like, like scraping at it, like trying to smack the spiders and everything. It's gruesome. It's really gross. And like, I remember reading this so thir- like, I can remember it so vividly. <laughs> And I hated it. I was like, I never want to read anything like this ever again in my entire life. And now, of course, all I do is read and watch horror. But, like, it just, like, it really freaks me out. I don't know. It's just, like, the like imagining all of those spiders crawling all over your face like that. And, like, we have to see her face afterwards. And it's, like, of course, like, torn open on one side. Like, like it's not pleasant. It does not look like a good time for her. <laughs> No, and like supposedly it's so bad that after this happened, they had to like put her in an insane asylum. I mean, I'm not surprised by that. Like, I feel like it was like thousands of spiders. Like, yeah, I feel like it would not be unusual for somebody to need mental help after that. And in 1968, that would probably mean being admitted. Yeah, just putting her in a room with a straitjacket, basically. Um. So yeah, like every every story that's told basically targets one of the group and then they get killed off and like so the group sort of like gets smaller and smaller like you would in a typical slasher movie or something like that. But so in this one she doesn't get killed but she does end up in the insane asylum. So she's at a commission basically. The group gets smaller once again. Um and yeah, so it continues like this um with people getting killed off or taken out of commission um until finally uh one one character has to like specifically confront sarah bellows and get her to stop doing this but i don't feel like we really even need to go into that too much i feel like this this movie it's worth finding out what happens at the end on your own i think yeah you don't. we don't need to explain like the ending story um i will say i think that um the movie sets you up for a sequel, and I think there is going to be a sequel. Oh, yeah. There yeah. should be. There definitely should be. It's been nothing. I mean, it's been a success. Um, People have loved the movie. It's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is mm-hmm. honestly pretty shocking. Um, I can't believe that a scary stories to tell in the dark adaptation is getting <laughs> such positive reviews. I mean, it's like I'm living in an alternate reality. But yeah. um. <laughs> Um, and I'm, ex- I can't, I mean, I'm just really excited about the possibilities there because I think that it's, it blows my mind that this adaptation didn't include like the hook, for example. So right. like, thinking yeah. about like a sequel that will probably include the hook is very exciting to me. Yeah. That's um, a classic. <laughs> and like, so a lot of the scary stories are like that, like the hook is like a classic story in like urban legends and stuff like that. I mean, that's um, what Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark did. It was all, like, urban legends that he, like, made into, like, these... He, like, told full stories out of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah they're, like, campfire tales. Uh, yeah. And that's what I think makes it so fun is, that, like, they feel like something you've heard before. They feel very relatable. Um, and obviously, 
there's tons of more material for a sequel. Not only do they have more stories for the same book, but there was also more scary stories to tell in the dark. There were other sequels to the book. There um, are three books total. Um, yeah. And he pulled this movie pulled from more than one. It did not pull from just one book. Yeah, I figure they probably did. Because the, the spider one, I think, was in the third one. And a couple of the other ones are in the first book. Um, it's also crazy that the spider one is like a third book material. I got to say. Um, that's like first book. I don't that, know. Yeah. It feels like it should have been one of the first ones. Yeah. Uh, the first book is like things like Me Tai Doty Walker, um, which really fucked me up as a kid. But in this movie, I got to say, was a weak spot. The um, Jangly Man. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, it just like, it was the CGI. It wasn't great CGI. So yeah. it, it did not work for me. It was like, like watching The Conjuring 2 when they have um, the, what's that man? The, uh, who's in the, oh. the Conjuring 2? The guy who comes out of like the weird carousel and he's like, the crooked man, the crooked man. <laughs> the crooked man. It like, it just like absolutely did not work. And I was like, oh. okay, we don't need this. This was a mistake. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't think the jangly man was that scary, but it, it was kind of creepy. Um, I do like when they zoomed in on his face and he just goes, "Me Tai Doty Walker," and I was like, "Okay, we get it. Like, <laughs> you're the, you're that story." Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, overall, overall, very strong movie. Um, yeah, I mean, we get to watch a like eight year old get subsumed into a ghostly pale lady, so. <laughs> Like he just Down gets like fully creepy. like incorporated into her. And I was like, uh, I don't even know what's going on, but help. Um, yeah, seriously. I need an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was wild. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely down for a sequel. This one has been pretty successful. Um, the budget puts it somewhere from 25 to 28 million. And it is apparently made 85.6 back so yeah. far there's so, gonna be a sequel and the sequel might even do better financially because of how good the reviews are for the first so yeah yeah i mean i feel like it like inside the circles of people who had either heard of this book or people who are like really hooked into movie news like people were really excited for this movie but i don't feel like it had the strongest marketing like this sort of just came out one week and i was like oh uh, i guess that came out now you know and I actually do agree with that. I think that uh, it's pretty crazy because I think we live in a culture right now where like nostalgia is so marketable. Oh, absolutely. That it's crazy that they didn't push harder for better like marketing for this because it, it would have been so easy. Like people are so desperate for like things that remind them of their childhood. Like 90s things are like back in full swing all the time. Like, I mean... Right now, Blue's Clues just advertised that they're having, like, for the new season premiere, Steve and Joe are back. And I'm like, who is this for? Ooh. The kids who watch Blue's Clues now don't, don't fucking know who Steve and Joe are. <laughs> like, is this for their no, parents? The no five-year-old is like, ooh, Steve, all right. Yeah, like... <laughs> like some 30-year-old is like, yes, yeah, Steve, come on! <laughs> but that's just, like, literally the world we live in now. Like, everything is so nostalgia-driven. So, like... right. Like, they could have easily, like, pushed this way harder and people would have fucking eaten it up. Like, mm -hmm. so it's crazy to me that they didn't. Uh, the sequel, they easily could. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think this has done quite well so far, but we're hoping it continues to gain some positive word of mouth 
We're hoping it continues to be seen by lots of people, and we're hoping this sequel happens and is an even bigger success. So right. if it's if it's still playing near you, go check out Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It's a lot of fun. It's got some scares. It's got some laughs. And if you're looking to kick off your Halloween season like we are, uh, you just absolutely can't go wrong with something like this. It's no, got all it's the honestly the want. last thing I want to say about it is that it like perfectly fits the start of Halloween season vibe. Like mm-hmm. it's like in a small town. It's in Pennsylvania, but it feels like New England in general. Like, like it's like very autumnal. It's like this classic Halloween feel. It's perfect. The vibe is like, I like. I kind of want to watch it like tomorrow, like just to get in the Halloween mood. Yeah, it's great. yeah. I I definitely feel like I want to go back and see this at some point during the Halloween season. Yeah, because I definitely feels... want to own this movie as like a classic Halloween season watch. Like. It's got some parts of it remind me of like Trick or Treat, which is my all time favorite Halloween movie just for capturing the general Halloween vibe. Okay. Well, Uh, my all time favorite Halloween movie is Halloween, but okay. Good for you. (laughs) We'll get into that too. Uh, (laughs) But yes, I like this. This has all the, all the good stuff, you know, scaring kids, killing kids, Halloween, all the stuff you love. Yeah, it literally killed kids. You know how rare that is? That's rare. (laughs) That is rare. Um, Although the movie says that the character, the the main character doesn't think the kids are dead. If you remember from the ending. Oh. She was like, I believe that they're still out there. Meaning the kids who got taken away by the big toe and... um, and the right, right, because they think like they got like taken off to an alternate dimension or something. I think that's probably actually what the sequel is going to be. But like, I also hate that, so I hope it's not. It's going to be like the Happy Death Day to You type sequel. God, if it's a Happy Death Day to You level sequel, though, we will be the most fortunate moviegoers of all time. Because <laughs> Happy Death Day to You was a fucking delight it was, it was so a, good <laughs> it's like this sort of sequel that just like turns everything you thought you knew on its head and it's like well actually everything works in a completely different way and here's why <laughs> so yeah who we might we might see that sort of thing happen here who knows uh, but we're definitely looking forward to it if and when that sequel comes so lionsgate get on it Let's do um, Lionsgate. <laughs> Lionsgate, come on. When and I while hear you're Lionsgate, at, I just think of Saw. Yeah, while you're at it, how's that Saw sequel coming? Um, <laughs> we're still waiting. We don't have any Saw news this week, unfortunately. No, saw Corner is empty. We are monitoring, as always. Um, so with that, why don't we draw into our final topic of discussion tonight, which is one that I am so excited for. I've been so aching to discuss this movie ever since i saw it the 2019 black comedy horror film ready or not i love that you gave the year i gotta say (laughs) 2019 yeah i yeah okay um it was it's gonna be remembered um we we need it we need a to qualify it place it in its proper space in cinema because this is one to remember it is one to remember. I agree with that. This movie is definitely still out in cinemas. And before all else, I, remec- 
well, before all else, I recommend you to go see this movie right now. I don't know exactly how spoilable this is because, uh, like once you get the concept, it's pretty clear how it's all going to play out. But at the same time, like don't spoil any surprises for yourself. Go see this right now. If you have any inkling to, and we'll try to keep the spoilers to the end of the review if possible. Yeah. Um, the basic premise of this movie is that, um, so there's this, this wealthy family, the Le Damas family. And, um, this, uh, this young woman is marrying into the family. Um, Grace, well, this young woman, Grace is marrying into the family. Um, she's, uh, it's, it's her wedding night. They're, they're having the wedding here at their like um, ancestral mansion. And yes, <laughs> um, it's revealed to her after the wedding that as some sort of weird family tradition that they have, because the family made its fortune in like board games and stuff like that. They have this tradition of the new member of the family has to play a game with everyone else in order to, uh, like introduce them to the family and become part of it. And they, they, they play the game at midnight and the game is selected from this like mysterious box that they have <laughs> that they got from this strange man on a ship, like several hundred y- years ago. Um, it's very ridiculous. <laughs> and like the, the card comes out and tells them what game to play. And um, then they play the game and then the new member is admitted to the family. So <laughs> what's revealed here though, is that there is one option that you don't want to draw from this deck of cards. Uh, and it's if, if you get the card that says hide and seek, then that means that the, all the family has to hunt you and try to kill you. Um, and, they have to kill you like they have to capture you and like then ritualistically kill you before dawn or else like the, everyone in the family is going to die. Right. <laughs> yes, that is the premise. That is the movie. As you can imagine, our main character draws the hide and seek card. Of course. And so the movie then plays out as she tries to hide from the family as they try to seek her it is uh, it's a trip um (laughs) she does not know about the card when she draws it so she does not know what to expect yeah nobody explains what the meaning of hide and seek is right away um her new husband ends up telling her uh a few minutes into the game when he like puts her hand over her mouth says like quick i have to tell you this like what's happening right now um And he's ostensibly trying to help her out, trying to get her out of the house so that they can run away and like forget all this. Um, so understandably, you might think like, well, in this situation, why on earth would you let like your new spouse take part in this at all? Why wouldn't you just like run off and not take part in this strange ritual and get married elsewhere? But apparently, 
as they say, like everyone in the family who's ever done that has died suddenly in mysterious circumstances. Right. So basically he thought that um, like, oh, we'll just go. Hopefully we'll get a different game and then everything will be fine. And she'll be part of the family. Right. Um, but it did not work out that way. No, it and sure so did not. <laughs> everyone is hunting her around this mansion with antique weapons they're not allowed to use the the security cameras in the mansion but all the doors are locked with some like high-tech security device which means like that nobody can get in or out from this mansion right and a, a lot of the movie is just like fun like action comedy kind of like goofy stuff um but it it like shifts tone a lot really quickly into like some real moments of horror. And then it'll just go right back into comedy and stuff. (laughs) It's crazy like that. Okay. So that one scene in the stable. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That was upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. So there's this point in the movie at some point, like she gets out of the house, obviously, um because like people have been fucking around with the security system um when she gets out of the house and she ends up in this stable and like falls into this pit where like all the dead bodies of the past people who have been killed in this ritual are and like i just feel like that that whole scene there was just like a complete tonal shift suddenly into like a saw type horror where it's just like all like extreme body stuff and then like her climbing up she has to climb up the ladder to get out and like the rungs are breaking underneath her and she ends up having to fling her hand onto a rusty nail to hold herself up. Yeah, it's brutal. It really felt like a saw moment right there. Yeah, it did. I mean, she like, yeah, that sucked. I mean, she like fully impaled her hand on that nail. (laughs) Oof. It was very rough. That that was there were a lot of people wincing in the audience at that one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was one of them. Um, I think, yeah, that was one of the more like horror moments because a lot of it is heavy heavy on the comedy. Even some of the more like bloody parts, like the big bloody sequence at the very end, is heavily comedic. Um, but that was one of the moments where it was not funny. It was just excruciating. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah, I, like. It, it's it's interesting the tone of this like it's a very i'd say it's a very gory movie like through and through when someone gets shot in this movie like you see a lot of blood a lot of like mutilation and stuff and yet there's so much comedy as well it's it's just an odd mix well i'd say that like one thing the movie did was it like when other ca- like when most of the characters are like violently murdered it's funny but when it's the bride our main character uh what's her name uh weaving is the last name of the actress yeah it's it's not funny when it's her it's not funny when it's grace it's not funny for her and it's not funny when it's um adam brody either it's not they don't make you laugh when it's him dying um oh spoiler i guess but um if anybody can get through 20 minutes of that movie and not realize that that character is dying then good for you um yeah so (laughs) so ostensibly um like so grace is is running from all the members of this family 
her husband Alex is for the most part helping her out, but like trying to also make it seem like he's not doing anything because he's supposed to be kind of hands off in this ritual. Um, the brother, his brother Daniel, is also sort of helping her out, but not really. He's like his whole role was really interesting. He was like kind of a he's like a drunk the whole time. So he's like progressively getting drunker throughout the movie. And he's just like kind of like he doesn't know whether he wants to help her out or not. So like he'll if he runs into her, he'll be like, I'll give you a head start or something like that. But right. he's not gonna be like letting her out of the house or anything. Right. Um but pretty much everyone else is yeah everyone else is trying to get her uh, down to all the freaking servants too like, oh yeah yeah and there, and there's a degree of like the servants not helping her out like um that so there's that one that she finds inside hiding inside the dumbwaiter who at first is like i don't know what's going on and she's like oh they're all trying to kill me uh I can't let them find me. And then she rats her out like right away. <laughs> it's literally immediate. As soon as she says, Oh, they're trying to get me. The, the servant girl goes, she's over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then on the other hand, you have um, the Butler who's like really like more than anyone else devoted to making sure she gets captured it's understandable why like all the members of this family are really invested in capturing and killing her. Cause like supposedly they'll die if the sun comes up and she's not dead. Right. But like the Butler's not in on that. He, all, all he has invested in this is that he's getting paid, but he's like, so like fiendishly devoted to capturing her. And like, that one scene where he's like driving her in the the car and he's like listening to the music and he's like ha ha ha, ha. he's like conducting the music <laughs> he's like this guy like wants to do this more than anyone else and he's not even gonna die if it doesn't go through like what is going on well i mean he's, he's like, like unhinged they found like a really sadistic butler i guess <laughs> yes i think that is definitely true and yeah, but um, all the other members of the family are like trying to kill her, with um, some with less success than others. Um, I really found that that sister to be absolutely hilarious. I don't remember which one she was. The, the one who kept killing other people by mistake. Yeah, it's the one she uh she was like high on cocaine the whole time, like. <laughs> she accidentally would kill other people and then she was like married to the like world's worst like in-law who just like <laughs> didn't know how to do anything he was just like so over it he was like like texting on his phone the whole time like yeah dude i'm just doing stuff with the in-laws like i know he's like oh i'm at some family shit and it's like <laughs> yeah real casual dude just casually killing some chick no big deal but then she was like really into it, but like hopelessly incompetent. And she like the second time she accidentally killed someone, she's like, "Why does this only happen to me?" Because you suck. Um, but the thing is, none of them had been trained for like hunting people. Yeah, no, they're just like they're. This is like in the background of their. Uh, 
their programming, but they don't they don't get a lot of practice at it, presumably. No, because the last time that somebody had drawn this card was when the groom in the wedding was like five. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that in the like the opening scene, we get a flashback to the like the last time that someone was killed in this weird ritual. And right. it was um the groom and his brother were both kids and um uh and Daniel hides Alex in like a cabinet so he doesn't have to see like the whole thing go down. And that yeah. that sort of gives a little like intro to their characters there, which I thought was good. Um but yeah, like it's it's something that like the older members are very like invested and interested in. And like the younger members are just like, Oh, I guess this is what we're supposed to do. You know? Right. Right. I mean, they, they just sort of like this family, they all just like accept this as reality, which is crazy to me. They're like, "Ugh, this kind of sucks, but we have to do it. Like (laughs) what? You're all just like cool with this? <laughs> yeah. No, I they they're like very they're just like, well, this is the reality, so I, I suppose we gotta do it, you know. Um and you know, to their credit, as we find out in the end, um you know they were right. <laughs> yeah, I mean they were definitely right. If they had not yeah, I mean they they all they don't fare so well in the end, do they? No, um, they they do not. They <laughs> do not. This whole the whole thing was just such a ride, you know. Like that that's what I liked about this so much is like so this movie, ninety five minutes long. It just uh, it doesn't. There's not like a dull moment in it, really. No, everything. No. There's either some sort of action or some sort of like funny bit happening like all times. And it, it shifts so seamlessly from like horror to like action comedy and just like straight up humor. And like, it just flows really well and it never feels like it's getting bogged down with anything. Like the premise is just so straightforward and it just feels really light and fun the entire time. It does. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that um, it's very propulsive. You never like feel like things are dragging. There's never a moment where it's like, okay, this scene could have been like condensed by a lot, you know, uh, which is nice because I feel like even in horror now, even though horror is one of the better genres about it, movies are like really bloated and drag on for much longer than they need to. Uh, this one did not. It was like the whole thing, everything that's happening it feels important. It feels relevant. And um, you're never bored because you're either laughing or you're cringing at every, any given moment. Like, <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's a number of like really cringe worthy moments in this too. Like, not like, Oh God, I can't believe they did that. Like, Oh God. Huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not like cringe isn't a bad thing. Like just like, Oh, this person just stabbed their hand on a nail or yeah. Oh, that person just gave a black eye to an eight-year-old. Like, <laughs> um, that was gruesome. Yeah, um, 
that that whole scene was just there was so much messed up stuff in that one scene that took part in the stables like her impaling her hand on the nail and then like thinking the kid was gonna help her and then the kid shooting her right through the hand yes. and then her punching the child yes <laughs> uh yeah it, there's there's just like a lot of wild stuff that Plus happened. the mother found the child and when the child woke up it was like oh i shot her and she's like why and he's like because that's what everyone else was doing and she's like oh i'm so proud um, <laughs> she's like so good job <laughs> that's all in one one barn um yeah which is crazy that's a messed up barn man it's some screwed up stuff happened in there um but yeah um i definitely would encourage everyone to go see this um yeah absolutely i mean it's funny it's brutal it's got like a strong message about like women and also just like marriage culture like right yeah it's it's got a lot of like female empowerment in here um also it's got like a lot of class critique as well there's a very clear message about like class structure the uh decadence of the rich and their uh ability to prey on the weaker classes um i did think it was like a very interesting point to take note of in this is that like especially early on in the movie the people who take the most brunt of all this violence going on are the like the maids and the butler and everyone like nobody from the family is actually getting killed but as she's like trying to as grace is trying to avoid getting killed either she's killing members of the staff or members of the family are accidentally killing them and they're still out there fighting for the family um i thought that was very interesting that's like you know there's class struggle here and the real people that are getting hurt are the people in between. Um, the rich are insulated by this layer of staff that they have. And it's only towards the end that you really see members of them getting picked off. Um, right. And it like especially like that Butler character, I found very interesting. Like his devotion to this family that the only tie he has to them is what they're paying him. And yet he's like fiendishly devout to their strange ritual and like actually trying to kill someone over it. I thought yeah. it was pretty crazy. I think that is pretty. I mean, I think it like, yeah, I don't even really know exactly what to make of that, but I do agree that it's like, it's a point worth bringing up. Like he is one of the most like dedicated to the cause of killing the bride. Right. Yeah. And like, presumably if they didn't kill the bride, he'd be okay. Like, <laughs> right. Like there's no reason to think that he would die if they, if they fail this hide and seek challenge. And yet he's so desperate to make sure they don't fail. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know what to make of that other than just like the idea that of course it's possible for like class traders to exist. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, like he is not a member of the the high upper class. Um, he's like part of the working class and he is he's a butler who just like does the bidding of the family and he's like willing to like do whatever for them. But at the end of the day, 
they, I mean, they would and do sell him out for whatever. They're like, oh, go get her. Oh, whatever happens. They just watch it happen. Like yeah. they watch, they watch her kill him on camera and they just go, ooh, rough. Like, <laughs> oh, darn. No. Oh, she yeah. got away. <laughs> so it's like, he's just like fodder for them. And like, that's how they think of people like him. And he doesn't care. He's still willing to do anything that they want. Um, And I think that's both like, I mean, I think that's like, a realistic situation. I think there are people like that. Obviously there are people who were class traders clearly. And then also there are people who just like, don't care what happens to the people who work for them. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think there are a lot of employers who don't care if they're like employees, you know, get murdered in the back seat of a car. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did think that was a very interesting part of this. Um, and definitely like the whole class trader thing really gets illustrated here um i just like there's a lot to like about this um the just the the overall pace and tone of it was really fun i think uh samara weaving's performance was absolutely a standout um, yeah absolutely she's, she's incredible great. in this her name is not margot robbie just so we're all clear on that <laughs> no, no it's not she she does bear a lot of resemblance to margot robbie but uh, she is her her name is Samara Weaving. She's <laughs> incredible, uh, great actress, and she's really good in this. I also think that it's interesting that her name is Samara Weaving, and Samara is the name of the character in The Ring who crawls <laughs> out of a well and pricks her finger on a nail. Oh my uh, god! I gotta say, <laughs> while I was watching it, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> we may be drawing too many connections here. This is a uh, but like a, a the real barn- life person. The barn scene and the goat, like that was very heavily the ring. Like her yeah. getting thrown into like the goat pit and then like having to crawl out and getting her finger stuck on a nail, like or her whole hand. But um that had strong the ring vibes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. I guess I can see it. Um so she was also in a white dress. The ring. I'm oh, telling God. you. <laughs> that was a different kind of white dress entirely. It's still um, a white dress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the fact that she was wearing a white dress in the ring is important because it's supposed to be like pure, you know, like that's what the white dress is. And she's a kid in that movie. So it matters. And in this movie, she's wearing a white dress because purity. She's a bride. Like it's the same. Right. It's the same sort of concept of the white dress. Yeah, and and the white dress ended up paying off a lot in this movie. Like they they made a big point of that. Um, she's wearing like the full length, floor length wedding dress in this, and it gets transformed so much throughout the movie. First, she has to rip off the bottom of it so she can run safely, and then yeah, that's an iconic you know, moment. That's like gets, <laughs> she's just that's like good. carrying it, and then she pulls off like pulls down the gun from the wall and straps the bullets across her chest and she's just got like this super badass hero action hero moment where she like looks in the mirror is like oh that was really cool um but then there's also like she gets blood on the dress she falls down in that freaking murder pit and like gets all sorts of guck all over her she gets dirt on it and everything and at the end they're like the whole house sets on fire she gets ash all over and everything so by the time she comes out she gets she has this great 
moment at the end of the movie she comes out and sits on the steps of the mansion just smoking a cigarette and she's wearing like this cut off torn up like fully black wedding dress and just sitting there and like it's really cool to see like how they they made that like a symbol of all that she's been through like the transformation that the dress takes on right and so we might as well talk about here what happens at the end if you if you're still with us and you haven't seen this movie yet you might not you might not want to listen to this next couple minutes but that's here true. we go so at the end of the movie she has been captured by this family finally most of them are still alive <laughs> and yeah. um they start to do like this satanic ritual with her on this like table that they have and um at this point they've gotten the husband to come around to their side and because he's decided that his family is more important to him and so he's supposed to be the one to like deliver the final blow and stab her and complete the ritual whatever but just as he's about to do it the sun comes up and like they're like oh no the the ritual is ruined. Please, Satan, spare us. Please do not kill us. Whatever. <laughs> and like, they're all like, ah, and they all freeze there. And then like, nothing happens. And they're like, yes. oh, oh, uh, I guess it was all a crack of shit, huh? Whatever. And then <laughs> the grandma is like about to go attack Grace in any way. She's just like, like, oh, we'll have to make sure. And then she just like explodes. God. Like a, like a bloody water balloon, she just like absolutely explodes, and they all just start exploding, <laughs> one by one. There, it's just like pieces of blood flying everywhere. It's really like mortifying. It's really gross. Um, yeah, no, they like do <laughs> not hold back on these like full body explosions. They no. just absolutely blow up like a human sized blood bag. And yeah. it's just like gore everywhere. That's so much blood. <laughs> that scene was just absolutely wild. So gory. And it was really funny to see them like being like realizing that they were next. Like, oh, fuck. No. Ah. <laughs> yeah. They're all like trying to like somehow like get out of blowing up once they realize what's happening. Um, You know, you see like the the patriarch of the family like. Oh no, I did everything you asked for about the guy who gave them the box where they have to draw the cards from. Like, yeah. It's like, I did everything. I did everything. Of course, he blows up. And then, like, importantly, you know, our main character is like supposed groom slash new husband. It's like, I'm not like them. I'm not like my family, even though he had just been willing to strap her down to a table and stab her. Yeah. Family survived. And he was like um, yelling, Hail Satan, and everything, and like getting ready yeah. to stab her right in the chest. Also, importantly, this movie has one of the best Hail Satans committed to film since Rosemary's Baby. I mean, it has to be like, it's a great Hail Satan. We right. haven't seen It's a particularly good one. I like fist pumped for it. I was like, Thank you. You've been it's, teasing it the whole movie. It's not as good as Hail Payman, but it's still pretty good. It's pretty good. I don't know. It might be as good as Hail Payman. <laughs> it was like, it was really good because you get like the whole like fake out where like 
the first time you think they're going to say Hail Satan. And then it turns out Adam Brody has poisoned them all. And so he just starts like <laughs> vomiting blood. Yes. Like, oh, that was an awesome Because he's like, Hail so And then just starts immediately vomiting blood. And I was like, that's amazing. This is so good. We can't even get a full Hail Satan. And then like, finally you get everybody screaming Hail Satan. And then she takes a knife to the shoulder and gets up and like runs away from them. It's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. it's a great Hail Satan moment. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that whole last scene is just absolutely wild with everybody exploding in a bloody mess, and then <laughs> Grace just like uh totally dissing uh Alex as he's like saying like Oh, we're still." I'm not like them. We can still be together. This is like, I want a divorce. And he blows up. And she just like, as the whole thing is burning down, she just sort of like walks out of the mansion and just starts smoking on the steps as like the cops show up and everything. It was just an absolute badass moment at the end. It was so good. It's also like crazy to think about how like somebody could live their life after that. It's like, yeah, I witnessed that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you live with that. Just like after not only the person that you loved for a while um, just like completely betrays you and tries to kill you, but then like a whole like secret society of people tries to murder you and like you find out that the devil is real and that like I was going to say you find out that like the reason they were trying to murder you, the, their Satan worship was actually like founded. Like <laughs> that'd be the crazy part. It's like, wait, hold on. You're crazy cultists but also you were right. Like it was real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, I don't even know how you like accept that and move forward with your life. No, it's like, if you've ever um, read like what Kevin Smith's original ending to red state was supposed to be, (laughs) where it's like, it turns out that the crazy cults beliefs were right the whole time. And like the actual apocalypse starts happening. It was, it's just like one of those moments you're like, oh shit, like what? No. <laughs> um yeah, that would be that would really change the rest of your life, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, absolutely. Especially like you're the only one who knows what happened. Like right. and like who knows how how are you gonna explain that you're like the only one who survived whatever the hell went down in this house when the cops right. show up? I really have no idea how she's going to explain that to the cops. They're just like, what happened? And she's like, in-laws. And I'm like, <laughs> you're probably going to have to tell them a little more than that. Yeah. Um, but we hope Grace comes out of this okay. Um, I don't know if they could follow this up with a sequel. Um, I think they I shouldn't. I think it's. I don't I think, think they should. Good. I think this, this works really well as an uh, all-encompassing story. Absolutely. um, I mean, I think this has been quite a success so far. Um, Six million dollar budget so far has made 20 million. Yeah. uh, And still counting. This has only been out since uh, August 21st. Yeah. So lots of time left to make back a lot of money. And it's a huge hit. Lots of people are loving it. Great reviews. Yeah. Um, and we we certainly want to add to that and tell everyone to go see this if you can. It's just, uh, it's it's fun. It's great fun. Even if you're not uh, a normal horror fan, this one's got a lot 
there for you anyway. And as long as you don't mind blood. Yeah. You definitely have to be ready for a lot of blood, but there's yeah. a lot of fun stuff in here too, not just straight up horror. But it's not gonna scare you, is all. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a black horror comedy. Right. Black comedy horror. So if, if you like don't that. mind gore, but normally you don't like to be scared, this is a movie for you. It's great. So definitely check it out. Uh or check out scary stories if you still can. Um and we'll uh we'll keep you posted on what's coming out soon. We definitely want to uh review it as soon as possible. Oh, we sure will. We definitely will. And there's there's a lot of other cool stuff coming out soon that we're uh trying to monitor. So We'll keep you up to date on all that as well. Anything yeah. else you think before we close out? No, I uh, I think we've hit it all, I think. Yeah. So um, just get out there and see some of these movies if you can. And whatever, whatever you might tickle your fancy, let us know if you have any recommendations for us to see. Because we, we definitely have our own blind spots. You can always get in touch with us um, on Twitter at Buzzed on Movies or send us an email, buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. And um, yeah, just let us know if there's anything you'd like us to see or if you have any thoughts on the show. Um, you can find us on all the major platforms, Spotify, Google Play Music, um, Apple Podcasts, all that. And uh, give us a review if you feel inclined to. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies.